Hello, and welcome to Unscripted, Conversations About Sexual and Domestic Violence, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from domestic and sexual violence services and partner organizations discussing all aspects of interpersonal violence, plus solutions and resources for support for residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Kendra Lee. On this edition of Unscripted, I'm talking with Melody Bielbig, Clinical Services Program Manager in Domestic and Sexual Violence Services, and Jamie Malloy, Director of Programs at OAR NOVA, about unhealthy relationships during the holidays and the best ways to support survivors. Melody, Jamie, thanks for being here on Unscripted. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. So the holidays can be stressful for everybody, with all the meal planning and parties and gift buying and giving and packed social calendars and travel. Being with family can put a strain on any relationship. But there's a common belief that victims of domestic violence have it extra hard because violence increases during the holidays. Jamie, has that been your experience? Is there some truth to that violence holiday connection? I would say that there is a connection between any high trigger point in time and instances of domestic violence. And so that would include the holidays for sure, but it's also going to include things like birthdays, um, maybe moving into a new home, changing jobs. So rather than it being a direct holiday correlation, I think it's a direct trigger correlation. Melody, you're nodding. I'm I'm nodding because I, I agree. I think, you know, sometimes it's the the wording or the nuance, right? Which is that um there's a lot of families that go through stressors and go through um holidays and things like that and violence isn't the outcome. What we're talking about is when violence exists within a family system, um financial stress, um gathering with family systems that may not be as healthy as we'd like them to be, um, you know, those kinds of things can impact and increase um, the likelihood of a violent event, but it doesn't cause it. And I would agree with Jamie. Those are not causal. Um, plenty of people get through the holidays and are and are safe. Yeah. So, yeah, what we know is that interpersonal violence doesn't know from holidays. It's it does uh, not know. 24-7 scourge. And I'm learning through my research that the evidence of an increase, a heightened violence during the holidays is more anecdotal than actual research proving this link. So that you're telling me that's correct. That's correct. Yeah, I just saw I saw a study from Mass General Brigham Hospital in Massachusetts that followed 21 million assault related injuries from 2005 to 2017, and it found 15% of interpersonal-related injuries happened during holiday periods, but the highest holidays weren't even Thanksgiving through New Year's. New Year's Year's Eve was was the number one, but it was followed by St. Patrick's Day, July 4th, and Labor Day. Uh Um, Sexual assaults are also higher on New Year's Eve for some reason. Even the doctor who led this research said it's impossible to really measure holiday-related IPV because folks might not go to the hospital, or if they go to the emergency room, they don't necessarily present with a broken bone. It might be a headache or digestive issues, but that also could be violence-related. Absolutely. So is it possible that victims are more vulnerable to violence 
due to prolonged or increased contact with family and friends during holidays and more alcohol consumption or or risky behavior that's increased during any holiday, not just Christmas? I would say that it's the same concept as the fact that like alcohol consumption does not cause domestic violence, right? Just like you mentioned, there are people across the globe that are able to drink and able to be in their relationships safely. But for those individuals who engage in domestic violence and sexual violence, anything that's going to alter that um, impulse control, anything that's going to decrease the emotional management skills, anything that's going to lower those inhibitions is going to have an increased impact on their willingness to engage in those unhealthy behaviors at that time. So when you say things like St. Patrick's Day, we might say, well, you don't see your family at all on St. Patrick's Day. Usually it's not a family-based holiday, but it is a drinking-based holiday for many people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And and family can be either a, a safety factor, a protective factor, or it can be a stressor. And so that by itself doesn't doesn't equate to a heightened risk. Um, but I do think that there are factors that do um, stress and lower inhibitions for those who do cause harm that will cause an increased likelihood of, of a potential outbursts. Um, and then that could also be, you know, travel and being away from your supportive networks and the people around you that you kind of counted on to kind of be your um, safety net or talking person. Um, you know, family systems come in all forms and some of them are, are less healthy than others. We know domestic violence can be something that's intergenerational. It doesn't have to be, but it can be. And being exposed to some really unhealthy family dynamics can be quite a stressor. Um, again, but not causal. You know, these are not causing things to happen because, again, many people do experience stressful family interactions without violence. And then we've also got the tie-in between the fact that the family presence, extended family presence, can either increase instances of reporting or decrease instances of reporting. So if true. your if your family members are kind of around you and the partner. Um, in, in, uh, with a lot of time for the first time or more often than usual, then they might pick up on things and see things they haven't seen before and encourage a person to report instances of domestic violence. Um, or it could be quite the opposite. It could be, well, I can't go to the hospital right now because my mom is here and then she's going to notice that I'm going and she's going to want to know why. Okay. So when I plug in domestic violence and the holidays into Google, a whole lot of stuff pops up as if this correlation really exists. So when we repeat the, the holidays equals more violence, are we, are we creating misconceptions and perpetuating myths about the root causes of domestic violence? And how so if we are? I would say we're pretty careful. I mean, in this in this space, we're very careful about separating out correlation and causation. So I don't think that we here are supporting the myth of causation. But I do think that the ways in which people experiencing harm can be proactive, even though they shouldn't have to be about protecting themselves, um, that conversation should happen because that often does look different during times of high trigger points, high stress high financial stress and higher 
alcohol and drug consumption. That's right. And, and it, you know, I, I feel like, again, it's like so many conversations is that, that the emphasis is on the word holiday versus the, 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 the emphasis on, you know, violence exists within systems within, within relationships because of a dynamic that exists every day, all day, all year long. And that holidays are really a time where we recognize that there may be some exacerbation of some of those those issues and that we as a system who support and work with both those who cause harm and also with victims and survivors need to be mindful to be asking, to be supporting, to be talking about their individual safety plans and what what they may need or want to do to take care of themselves during the holidays. So the media, to me, um, helps perpetuate the myths. So what do we need to do better? We, meaning this system, those of us who do this work, what do we need to do better to get the message to the media that it's not holidays, it's the systems, it's, it's incidents that, you know, situations that create opportunities for violent behavior or people to cause harm. What do we, what should we be doing better when, when we talk to the media and also the public? I mean, I think programs like this are, are, are very informative to kind of push back against those kinds of framing of, of the experience of domestic violence within our community and others. Um, I, I think again, it is like so many things is, is that, you know, media, we understand has to give narrative in, in a way that is, um, appetizing. Or interesting. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, we need to push back with narratives that give a different framework around this. You know, I, I think what would be much more interesting to talk about is the things that we do know really create um, stressors that continue, you know, racial oppression, lack of affordable housing, things that, that help people to feel stable and safe in their lives. It gives a better chance for and, and, you know, not that those are causal either, but those are, are real tools. Holidays are things that happen all the time. And so to talk about holidays, like it has some magical quality around domestic violence means we move away from the messaging. And the messaging really needs to be around what we understand about those who cause harm and where that those behaviors come from and what we are all doing as a community to create both healing internally, but within our systems as a whole. Okay, so you talked earlier about safety planning. How can advocates, counselors, helplines, family members, friends, better support survivors who might need additional resources during a season of heightened possibilities for violence? Um, Any special safety planning tips for traveling with somebody who causes harm? I primarily work with the people that have caused harm in relationships. So I guess I'll talk about it from a different angle and then Melody can, can give her part about working directly with victims. You know, when we work with individuals who have caused harm, then we help them to develop a personal safety plan for them to hold themselves accountable for behaviors. And so that involves taking a good hard look at what are your personal triggers what are the triggers that are most likely to occur during this situation? Whether it's traveling for the holidays or whether it's traveling for a family vacation, we're going to talk about it all. And to say, 
have you sat down and thought about what you need to do in order to hold yourself accountable this holiday season? What are the actions you're willing to take? Are you willing, if you're the type of person who struggles with emotional management when you are drinking alcohol, have you considered committing to an alcohol-free Thanksgiving? Have you been clear with your friends and family about your struggle with domestic violence? And have you asked for them to host an alcohol-free Thanksgiving so that you can be in an environment where your temptation to drink is lower? And we know that when people involve their loved ones in their journey towards ceasing domestic violence, they're more likely to hold themselves accountable because the people around them know what they're going through. It can be really scary to say, hey, mom, hey, dad, I struggle with abusive behaviors towards my partner when I drink. And yet that is one of the factors that can really help people motivate people to continue on their change journey the best. Um, So examining those personal triggers, making a concrete plan that you share, not just with your partner, but with the people that are close to your partner, the people that are close to you, and really owning your journey are some of the things that we recommend. Before you respond, Melody, I want to focus on this a little bit more. How? How do you get people to do this? Like share with family. I've been harming my partner or thinking about harming my partner. Like that can't be an easy conversation to have. It's really not. And of course, we don't always know for sure who has had that conversation and who hasn't. It's Mm -hmm. easier sometimes for individuals who because they're going through the court system, maybe there's a protective order in place even temporarily, and they have to say, move back home with mom and dad. Um, the, the parents are going to want to know what's happening. Why is this happening? And that conversation can be cracked open because of your involvement in the court system. But for individuals who have not involved with the court system, then there is a less of a, a chance that that conversation has already happened. And really, it's about really getting to the core of If you want to change, and most of our clients do not want to harm their partner. Mm -hmm. Um, So saying, well, if you really want to become a different type of partner, if you want your partner to feel safe, then sometimes that's going to involve you doing some things that are very unpleasant for you. And sometimes we need to have a, a frank conversation about how there's been a lot of unpleasantness your partner's gone through. Maybe it's time for you to experience some unpleasantness. And unfortunately, the unpleasantness that you're going to go through is going to make the situation better. Whereas the unpleasantness your partner went through is what made the situation worse. So we can all just put on our big boy britches. You know, um, I'm pretty transparent about the fact that I have both been the victim of and a perpetrator of domestic violence in my youth. And so I went through this process and sometimes it helps my clients to hear me explain that I did have to go to my parents at 19 and say that I had hit my ex-husband in the face and that I didn't know how to fix it. And then I had to ask for their support in terms of letting me know that it didn't make me a terrible person. It made me a person who had done a very harmful thing. So hearing the fact that I am proud of myself and that my parents are proud of me now, here we are 15 years later, Uh, I think sometimes makes it a little bit less scary. And some of my clients have been able to make that jump. And I really, I love the, the, you know, the, the focus because, you know, we too work with those who cause harm. And, and I think Jamie and we've talked a lot about the fact that 
you know, that that teaching the skills to create um, self-compassion, empathy for others, also awareness of the impacts that they are having, you know, allows us to have a counterbalance to that shame, to talk about, you know, the shame holds us back. The shame holds us in spaces that are, are, are fueling the spaces we cause harm, but the healing, as Jamie said so well, is the space that leads them. And it, and it is vulnerability, you know, and we are increasingly talking about the shame and the vulnerability and the healing for those who cause harm because it's so powerful. It is a huge, brave step, but as Jamie said, to- towards um, something that is going to be so much more rewarding. But, Melody, you also mm-hmm. work with victims and survivors, sure so let's we talk do. about what we yeah. can do to better support them during yes. holiday for the purposes of this discussion, any heightened time of right. potential violence. Well, we would, we would be remiss if we didn't do a shout out to the supports that we have nationally and locally, which we have a national DB hotline, 1-800-799-SAFE, the word S-A-F-E. Or our local DSVS hotline, the 703-360-7273. These are great resources when you are in spaces where you may need immediate support. These are 24-7 open for you to call for help around personal safety planning. And, and what we want, you know, what we know and what we want to support family members and those who care. Um, is that, that, that safety planning and supporting of victims and survivors is so critical that it be theirs, that it be their individual plans. And that, you know, I, it's, it's interesting. I was having a conversation, um, with my daughter about a concern she was having. She's 20. She's got a friend at college and that friend's boyfriend's not behaving well. Um, showing some controlling and, um, and harassing behaviors. And, you know, her immediate response was, I'm going to go to her and tell her she needs to break up with him. And, you know, having to bring back and say, you know, I hear that that comes out of a care and a worry. But the, the care that we offer your friend is to say, hey, I've, I've noticed this. And I've also noticed how, how stressful and, and, and how scary this must be for you. How, how can I help? How, how can I be here for you? How can I support you? So I don't come with the solutions. I come with the support. And, you know, that means all, you know, if there are safe people that, that, that victims and survivors can, um, cue in and say, I'm anticipating that this may be a hard time or, or I'm anticipating some stressors that may happen over this period of time. You know, can I call you if I need to just as an excuse to leave? Oh, my friend's having a baby. I need to go and, you know, is there, there's some, some ways that you can come up with some creative safety planning if it is safe for them to do that. Um, as well as, you know, we have advocates on staff here who are more than willing to sit down and help um, victim survivors prepare for times, just like Jamie was talking about preparing those who cause harm who are in groups and working with us also to provide that for victims and survivors as well. And then our counseling team here is, you know, continually supporting those who've had um, experiences with domestic and sexual violence to also address any current or possible triggers that may be coming ar- around the bend that, that holidays offer so that we can empower victims and survivors to have a way that gives them a sense of agency. 
So basically what I'm hearing is in order for folks to have a safe holiday season and a safe all season, every season, we need to do some hard work, both both victim survivors and also people who cause harm. Absolutely. And all of us around them, you know, to really learn and grow and pay attention to not perpetuate the myths of, you know, things like holidays and to really actually face and deal with the things that are creating the risk and the harm um, and, and to really be available to let let those who are in these experiences um, find their way out with our support. Okay. That'll do it for this episode of Unscripted Conversations about Sexual and Domestic Violence. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Melody and Jamie for joining us. If you or someone you know has experienced interpersonal violence, call the Domestic and Sexual Violence 24-Hour Hotline at 703-360-7273. That's 703-360-7273. Or visit fairfaxcounty.gov and search Domestic and Sexual Violence. To listen to other county podcasts, visit www.fairfaxcounty.gov slash podcasts. Unscripted Conversations About Sexual and Domestic Violence is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government. <laughs>